Welcome to Viger Please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. And this was a this was a difficult podcast for me to get ready to do. La- the Kuhn the Gray episode just threw threw my whole energy off, man. I didn't. We recorded that one a little late. Like we generally record on a weekday, and that one slid into the weekend because our my schedule in particular got jammed up because I got sick. And then this prospect of having to turn on that damn Netflix and fire up another one. It was it was tough, man. Well, there's only one way to go when you are at what I'm going to consider the low point of this series. But I agree. I I was really worried that that last podcast we did for what would we settle on uh, Civil War as the name yes, for it? Civil War <laughs> was going to be low quality and, and a boring podcast. Listen, but we'll I, see what the fans say. Yeah, I. It may not be our funniest entry, but I think that the discussion we have is still worthwhile. And the exact nature of our disgust, you know, the exact net method of how the hairs spring from our neck beard. <laughs> All of that is, I think, for our core audience of those those desperate nerds who want to listen to an hour long podcast about a 44 minute television show from 23 years ago. It's the kind of shit they appreciate, Peter. Speaking of uh, what our fans appreciate, starting this week, I'm going to throw up a poll once a week on the V'ger Please Trauma Support Group, our Facebook group. And I want to go back and see what our fans consider to be the best slash favorite episodes of the seasons, as well as their votes for worst. So uh, I'm starting us off with, with people would consider the best for season one, which I think is going to end up being a lamp right on <laughs> eye of the needle, but <clears throat> I don't want people to like lemming on like there's some I, dissenting opinions out there. I respect them. And I always like seeing, you know, the other side of the coin. I like that you put up prime factors so that everyone felt like they had another choice, but to date, I don't think anyone has voted for anything else. Although I think the, the Seska episode from that season uh, might be the better second place for me. Uh, the uh, state of flux just yeah. because the, the, the advent of the burn queen is yeah. something to appreciate. But uh, yeah, it, now that we are over our little V'ger please moops and how to add people who aren't on our friends lists <laughs> to yeah. our Facebook group. Sorry, I'm 36. I don't know how to Facebook and social media that way. <laughs> uh, Anything you know, past my space. I, I don't know. I'm just all thumbs. I'm more of a live journal man, personally. <laughs> of of course, comrade. You and the uh, yeah, and the Russians Russia. own every worst part of the 19 to 23 year old version of myself. Yeah, I have I have real good intel. But it's funny going back through because I looked at the episode list for season one, and it felt uh, there can't be nearly as many episodes in one as there in two and three. But there's only like a handful. I was like, man, what, what were the good episodes on this? And uh, maybe. Um, prime factors wasn't as good as that. And that's like true of anything. You remember things more fondly than they actually were. But I, I think I really did like prime factors. If in concept, if not anything else, I think I appreciate prime factors a lot more in retrospect after the, the turgid experience that season three has been so far uh, warlord excluded. But speaking of this turgid journey, Peter, what did we watch this week? We watched season three, episode 12. Uh, 
<laughs> I can't say this fucking thing. You got it. Um, you got it. I believe in you. Macroism. Macrosm. Macrocosm. Macrocosm. Hey, I, don't, I, I shouldn't have believed in you. Three out of ten. Terrible. Yeah. Worst podcast co-host. Uh, Aliens. Have... Voyager Chronicles. Okay, so it's funny you should say that. I wanted to relate this story. Um, I'm sitting watching the episode with Stevie and we're getting close to the end and I have throughout the episode, like look, talk to her, engage with her about it. And she seemed like she, she was watching it, but wasn't paying very close attention to it. And there was like a, a camera shot kind of thought that I had that I, I posed to her. And I was like, I wonder why they keep shooting her low like that. And then she finally just looked over to me and said, it's because it's alien. It's shitty, low budget UPN alien. And that's what they did in Alien. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's of course, everything makes sense now. Which is funny because Bran Branagh, who wrote the script specifically, says, no, this is not supposed to be Janeway as Ripley. You're a liar. You're a fucking dirty ass liar. Mind you, it it didn't come to me immediately. It's been a really long time since I've seen Alien. But the moment Stevie mentioned it, I was like, I just, my mind, that gif when your mind explodes. I'm surprised that that did not come to you because it's very explicit to me that that's what they were going for here. I I mean, Um, the moment moment the veil was risen from my eyes, I could not see it anymore. I just, Alien has left my kind of pop culture, pop cultural uh, synthesis you know like my the periphery of my knowledge it's been so long but reminded of that i couldn't avoid seeing it i don't know if it was that q in the gray was so bad i don't know that if i'm in a phaser type mood since we just watched warlord uh, i don't know if i just felt that maybe we were due for more action on the show or what but i like this episode um it wasn't like garbage. I mean, what it, no. grading on I can't help but grade on a curve for season yeah. three of Voyager and grading on this curve. Sure, I, I'll take it. Uh, I still think it was objectively probably not good. Uh, I agree. <laughs> but as I have said in the past, you know, if you're asked between getting stabbed in the eye and kicked in the groin, I mean, one is better objectively than the other. I Yeah. When you put it that way, no, uh, th- this was a good one. And again, Bran Branagh wrote it and I've been throwing a lot of shit on him lately. So I was very happy to see his name attached to something that I ultimately very much enjoyed. So the game we play, right? The oh, freeze yeah. frame, the person, <laughs> and I got to get pictures and throw them up on, on Facebook because man, if you thought that warlord had some dirty opening, this one's got like, <laughs> Yet another rendition of the Neelix O face. He's twisted to the side. His mouth's open. He's cupping the balls. And then there's some other dude. <clears throat> Real lewd looking scene. It, it does look Neelix. like the world's most awkward space orgy is about to break out. Yeah, it, it looks absurd. And I want to congratulate the episode on two strong, very strong points. We can get access to two new alien Delta Quadrant species uh, residents. Uh, the Tok Toks 
and I forget what the miners who we're going to encounter later, but these are some of the best Star Trek aliens I think I've seen. They were definitely uh, well put together uh, makeup wise for throwaway characters. And I want to say this is kind of like a Voyager thing across the board. And, and I'll talk more about it. No, fuck. I'll talk about it now. They have these amazing looking species, amazing in my book, looking species that have popped up a few times now. Like I said, the talk talks, the the reptilian looking minor guys. Um, if we jump back to the episode, the swarm that uh, that centaur looking dude who was like dead on the ship that was only in frame for like six seconds. Yep. Raptor people from uh, Space Dinosaur Baby. Yep. Muppet. And they've got all these like really cool things that find their way in and they just make it's, you know, it's one and done's. And I was saying, like, why do the aliens that we focus on heavily in this series always seem to be some rendition of the shitheads, whether they're traditional shitheads or like salami lunch meat heads? It's <laughs> like stuff up in the hair and then the face is pretty much free. And I. I think it's probably like these fancy costumes make it hard to like relay body language and uh, facial gestures. And maybe that's why they don't use these guys as like centerpiece species. I think that uh, the most interesting part about the tac tac in particular was the whole gestures part of Absolutely. the language. So yes. design wise, yes, they're interesting, but as a clever Star Trek level science fiction nod, uh, the idea that this race not only communicates through words, but also gestures that accompany them. And yes. that that is a kind of communication that is obviously more difficult to master and understand without the context of what those gestures mean. The possibility of screwing up and a, a sense of negotiation because of a body language cue that you give off and that, we get some dialogue between uh, Janeway and uh, Neelix in this episode where this isn't like the first time Janeway's had to you know, conceptualize of, of gestures in speech as part of communications as, as in her Starfleet career. So kind of it presents the idea that this isn't like a one-off, like this is something that uh, Starfleet officers, particularly ones in command positions, have an awareness of and have to tackle, which I thought was a very cool background idea. Absolutely. That the universal translator cannot bail you out of this. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to, it's going to be awkward. Um, I really like the body. Like it looks silly freeze frame and, and it's because it's supposed to look preposterous, but it all really works for the alien species. And the first time we see them in the episode, they're kind of jokey and funny, but later on when we encounter the talk talks a second time, uh, it, it's it got a real gravity to it and the true alien nature of what's going on there I think shines out what also shines in these um, negotiation scenes in the beginning is that Neelix is becoming a real value add Yeah, and on top of just being you know the resource guide there that he does actually have believe it or not when he's not sabotaging the ship or kicking people into uh, space portals to hell <laughs> in engineering um He's got some some diplomacy and uh, Janeway jokes about, you know, upgrading him from morale officer to ambassador. But it's a really good development of what his role is on the ship and why he's bringing value and why he should be involved in like bridge crew meetings and stuff like that. 
Yeah, they've done a lot to start to establish him as a more serious contributor. You know, our our bag on him season one and going into season two was that he was just the uh, bar rodent, as Hugh so adequately put last episode. The only good thing out of Hugh and the Grey, yes. The uh, the, the ship's coward, uh, you know, he, he really saw his relationship with Voyager in a transactional fashion. And we've seen a slow evolution of him becoming more and more uh, integrated into the crew. Uh, but this is him starting to demonstrate a value that uh, they don't otherwise have available to them. They don't have a natural diplomat on their, on their team. They don't have that high charm, high charisma uh, character. They got the people with the high, high wisdom and the high intelligence, uh, but, but not. And those guys are, and those guys with the high wisdom and, and high intelligence are busy fixing the ship and keeping it running. Like when you've got a guy who's sitting around on his thumbs and has the time to research these cultures and, perfect this kind of gesture it's it's a real good role for him so this episode i've got a lot of criticism for it um but it's just like little procedural stuff and again voyager had a story it wanted to tell it was going to tell that story and whatever it had to do to make it happen happen so my first kind of like what the fuck moment is you've got janeway and neelix that have been on what appear to be a multi-day trade negotiation thing on a type six shuttlecraft far away from Voyager. Like why the hell is the captain dealing with this personally? You know, we, we circle back around to Janeway's excitement at disregarding Starfleet and leaving Chakotay or Harry Kim in charge of Voyager while she's not on the bridge. And I think this is a real strong example of that. The, I kind of buy the idea that Janeway would want to, conduct some of these more sensitive negotiations personally. Uh, The ship has a limited amount of qualified, you know, Starfleet officers that have probably dealt with sensitive diplomatic matters as a captain. She's probably one of the few that has had that experience. Yeah. And, you know, if it's just like a way station and a relatively well-known species or someone that, you don't need to do a lot of delicate work with. Yeah, okay, send Tom, you know, whatever. Like, you could do that. You can afford to do that. But if there's one thing I've learned in Voyager, it's you don't send Tom and you don't send Harry on anything. <laughs> Especially that together. <laughs> no diplomatic missions, no trade missions, no shore leave, nor nothing. Those guys stay on the ship 100% of the time or there will be trouble. And unless I, I Tubac guess- wants to run a, a jailbreak, like, practice run. Like, hold on. Send Tom and Harry out to this new race we met. I need I need to probably get my security crew some more jail time, you know, jailbreak time. So let's uh, let's run a simulation by having them actually get captured. We'll break into whatever alien supermax prison with with mind bullets that they have this time. You know, maybe that's how Janeway punishes Tuvok for his bad security. Like it's like the coach making uh, kids run laps around the gym like, uh. Sorry, Chakotay. Uh, another six-year-old was able to hack our system and steal a shuttlecraft and bypass everything in emergency protocol and steal our transporter modules. Guess you're going to have to go on another jailbreak. And Tuvok's like, damn, I hate jailbreaks. Well, the- uh, I guess my question is more that you would send the captain of your ship and Neelix in 
the oldest shuttlecraft type you have without, you know, some other dudes around. But I guess if it's a safe part of space, it's not like you have to worry about organ thieves or Kmart Klingons anymore. Well, Janeway and and Neelix have, are supposed to rendezvous with Voyager. Uh, they get to the, the coordinates, of course. We have to have an episode, so that means something has to be wrong, which is Voyager's not there. And they find Voyager about a light year away, stopped dead in space, but they haven't been in battle. Like, there's nothing around. So immediately their hackles are raised, and they they try and scan, see what's going on on the ship, and there is a, a biogenic field that is preventing them from being able to get good readings. So they're left with no other alternative but to beam onto the ship and, and see for themselves what the fuck is going on. Well, they don't beam on. Um, they end up docking, I believe, because they the doctor ends up in that shuttlecraft oh, later on. Right, right, right. They land the shuttlecraft. They they get on the ship. This is complaint number two, and this is for the episode cinematically. This is supposed to be a high suspense episode, I think, with a, a thriller element to it. And when you say that Voyager is adrift in space, I think they missed a real opportunity to like, use a camera angle that was not flattering to the ship that made it seem like it was off kilter and drifting in a, in a queer way and really create something unsettling. But instead they show the ship like they always show the ship, which appears to be, you know, a, okay. I think if it had some lights flickering, something remnant of a disaster without clear physical damage, it would have really kind of tapped into that horror potential. The, entire episode seems to have rushed some of the small stuff, which is kind of where my enjoyment of it starts to break down. This particularly gets egregious in like the third act where they're just out of time. So they're just like, we're wrapping it up. So this happens and then this happens and then this happens and we're done. So these, they missing that detail of like, maybe like making the ship like it look like it's kind of derelict adrift. Yeah. Yeah. I it's among the many small things that they missed. The biogenic field, What have, is this a term we've heard before? I think that's been used in Trek before, but I couldn't so, say exactly where. Seems like, very techno babbly. The ship systems don't work, and the tricorders have limited range, but only as far as like it's convenient to the plot. They're not using communications devices, but then they are later on. Like This is all a result of what the unchecked virus mutations going on i think they there's a decent continuum of now uh, of how they they fix some of the systems like i don't want to jump too far ahead but there's a point where janeway does fix communications okay so that is explicitly done then right. yeah i mean that's well let's 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 roll through it because i'll point out where where they do it i think they do a good job of preventing those logic errors in this episode surprisingly because i was watching for it i was like i'm ready i'm ready for these fucks to make some stupid ass mistake uh, and it, what happens is they actually logically explain how all of the sequence of events occurs that they're stuck in that situation and that i don't think there's any errors when it comes to how they solve it so they dock they dock and they start rolling around with phasers trying to see what the fuck is going on and they definitely immediately start giving off the the alien vibe of something mysterious has has snatched all of our crew members because we can't fucking find anybody. To the point where they see shadows down a hallway, they chase after it to a transporter room and they find that something has used 
acid to burn a hole through the fucking transporter pad. If if you were the captain of Voyager and you just arrived and you got on and nobody's responding to any sort of hails and you can't find the crew, what would you do, Joe? What would I do? Well, I would probably, if, if I'm close enough to a friendly alien race, go get help, bring them to my ship and not tackle this by myself. So you would actually just get, you'd leave. I'm looking at it from an entirely like 100% a realistic perspective, which I know is not the most dramatically feasible. Sure. But if I'm the captain of Starship Voyager and I roll back and my ship is derelict, I can't find any of my people. And I seem to have some sort of strange alien acid thing going through the ship. And I don't appear to have any assistance whatsoever on the ship to see what happened. I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. I'm going to go get some help. Because obviously something from this godforsaken part of space is fucked with my ship and I need to go figure out what it is. And maybe these tac tac guys know what it is. Uh, but I, I know what I you're would... getting at, which is why would the fuck wouldn't you go to sick pay right away, right? Right. I mean, like, we have established very strong, like, the doctor is always there. The doctor is immune. And if everything seems, if you can't tell what the problem is, you know, it's not clearly Kazon all over the ship. Although, how fucking cool would this episode have been, like, if some Kazon or other jabrones would have been rolling through, like, oh, look, it's it's the Death Ship Voyager. And they're not replying. Raiding party. You know, Vidian's like, raiding. Oh, my God. What are these things? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. OK, the mess hall is full of Starfleet. Who are all the dudes in the cargo holds? Oh, that's uh, Vidian's. OK, well, um, uh, blow the airlock in the cargo <laughs> tubes. <laughs> Problem solved. So they're 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 going low and slow. They're not trying to call anybody. And again, it's Voyager. Voyager wants to tell a suspenseful alien story. Janeway, who is someone who is normally a very smart person, is in a stupid Rambo mindset, and that's it works for this episode. Sure, they get in the uh, turbo lift. They're going to go up to the bridge and check on things. Uh, I don't know why, but I always love when there's something in the turbo lift tubes, like yeah, the. <laughs> The Cthulhu alien arm thing that comes out definitely was startling the first time you see it. It essentially uh, slimes Neelix with uh, with its with its virus juice. By the way, at this point, this is the most gratuitous part of this whole experience. So early on, they established the environmental controls are going offline, which means uh, the ship is getting a lot warmer because the warp plasma isn't being vented regularly. And uh, the glistening process on uh, Dear Kate Mulgrew starts right away. And it is essentially an excuse to strip her down to a tank top and a Federation uh, issue push-up bra and shoot her from a low angle that is accentuating her assets to the maximum possible degree. And also have her covered in like sweat glistening from this point forward like she's the rock in the movie The Scorpion King. By uh, all estimates, the most oil uh, ever used in a single film on a single actor. This is second place. Speaking of glistening and, 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 and dripping in alien jizz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so pretend that you're Neelix and you've just come home to your adrift ship. And you're in the elevator with your boss when all of a sudden a alien party probe rips through the wall and jizzes on you. <laughs> yes. Joe, what do you do? Go to sick bay. I go, I go to fucking sick bay. 
No, this- Joe, you take that goddamn shirt off. <laughs> what the hell was Neelix think? What is so important about this discount African king outfit he's wearing that after the alien just blows its load on you, that <laughs> garment is not on the fucking floor in record time. <laughs> I got a baby. The baby throws up now and then. You take the shirt off. And that's your own baby. That's that's something you genetically made, not like crazy alien skeet machine. So the fact he keeps this thing out, I'm like, what the F? So you're saying that the macro the macro uh, viruses, they're little Jean. They're, yeah. they're skeet, skeet, skeeting all over the ship. Skeet. That's excellent. They're they're skeet, skeet, skeetos. Mosquitoes. I, what, how much better would it have been if it had burst into the turbo lift going, hey! Yeah, yeah! Yeah! What? Okay! <laughs> I'm sure there's a redub out there, and if there's not, maybe we need to make it. <laughs> I think that there is not, but we do need to make it. So turbo lift gets jammed up, and then Janeway's like, uh, we're gonna go through the emergency escape hatch here. And then, like, they were on their way to the bridge, and she's like, uh we're going to give up on the bridge and we're going to go somewhere else instead. Like, I mean, they're they're still headed to the bridge. So the, the intention of the two of them is go to the bridge. They're going through Jeffrey's tubes to get there. And that's when Neelix comes down with, with alien aids. I mean, super, super cancer, whatever. And, uh, starts to feel the effects of getting little space malaria, getting little John's jizz all over him. (laughs) And, And, uh, that's when, it's the reverse of what usually happens. And instead of Neelix wandering away, Janeway war wanders, wanders away from Neelix, but we still get the great, uh, consistent, uh, Voyager canon of Neelix getting snatched up and stole away from, uh, by the hazard of the week. The moment he's left alone. I love the line exchanger and I don't know if you caught it. Oh, I um, did. I knew you were going to say it. Go for it. Yeah, Janeway hits him with the tricorder and she's like, look, uh, there's a, it's not just the environmental controls like you're getting a real bad fever and all this other stuff like oh, maybe keeping that alien cesspool goo spot uh, right on your Vicks vapor rub chest area was a bad idea. Uh, and, you know, you got inflammation in your lungs and then Neelix corrects her lung <laughs> single space elf lung. Thank mm-hmm. you. Not even um, like a, it's like a rental lung. Shit's gonna rot out of my body. <laughs> so uh, that was that was a good callback to season. Was that season one? one. That was one. That was fate. Yeah. 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 So Neelix is gone, <clears throat> and at this point, it's kind of another head scratcher. Like Janeway's in action mode, not like really accomplish something mode. So Neelix gets whisked away. She can't find him. They have to be close to the bridge at this point, and instead of just getting up on the bridge and getting things rolling, she goes the complete opposite direction back down into the secondary hull, gets down into main engineering, goes up to the top of the warp core. Because I don't know if you know, Joe, but they keep all of their high-grade weapons and explosives in this little (laughs) bullshit attic at the top of engineering at the top of the warp core, which is a great place to put your fucking grenades and phaser rifles. If I had had a, a canister full of grenades, I would put it next to the giant explosive device that powers my ship and could also kill us all in a moment. To That's... be fair, to be fair, and I and and I, I'm gonna be real here. If you are bringing things like killer robots and all sorts of other dangerous ass shit 
to engineering on a regular basis. Yes, I suppose maybe it would make sense to have heavy weapons laying around just in case they start shooting the joint up or Tom turns into a lizard man and starts throwing dudes through the wall. <laughs> so she gets up to the top of the warp core, pops his chest open and starts like takes her shirt off. Right. Gets oh, that- takes her shirt off. And yeah. then she's she's grabbing all of the tools of the trade. She gets fucking grenades. She gets like she feels like a backpack full of them. She like takes a fucking combat knife and throws that shit in like she's a goddamn Federation Klingon. combat knife. I've never seen the Federation have a knife. And there's this this starship troopers. What do we need a knife for if we've got nukes moment? <sighs> she gets a, a you know, the deadliest weapon of all a pipe. I mean, a phased a rifle. Out of the case. And this isn't a pipe emergency. The pipes are locked behind a force field. Yeah. You have to be at a, at a level 10 security breach. This is merely a level 8. So the pipe- After Suter, there's no more space pipes allowed in main engineering. That is a mistake that will not be repeated. Oh, man. How awesome would this episode have been if Suter had been alive? Stop. You're, you're fucking bumming me out. So <laughs> it was, right could now. you imagine, like, you know, Janeway goes up to, like, where the weapon storage is to like deal with this. And then like Suter like comes down, like uh, out of, out of the uh, Jeffrey's tubes in the ceiling, like it's fucking mission impossible. You know, like she, he's already got like a bunch of tendrils from once he's slain and a necklace around him. You know, he's like the, the, the disease just fuels his, his murderous <laughs> abilities. What if he was still just under house arrest and she could have grabbed his ass again for another ship that you, you, you don't think he redeemed himself enough in, uh, basics part two well here's a chance to finish his payback to the shit god jerry taylor <laughs> lon lon i'm gonna let you out of jail again we have another shipwide emergency that requires violence but this time it's not conscious uh you know it's not real human so uh you can it's like you know it's like killing you're being a doctor con- you're killing some disease you like that it's like right? alcohol- it's alcohol free beer man you can just drink as much as you want they're just no duels you're not falling <laughs> off the wagon Sadly, Lon is not here, and and Janeway has fully ramboed up. Uh, Can I on- bitch about the rifle real quick? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> you got phasers, and, and I get again where we want her gunned out, Ripley'd out, pulse rifle, and all. Sure, but like the hand phaser is a super weapon. You can vaporize shit with it. It clearly had a strong impact when that thing attacked Neelix. Like you don't need the rifle. You don't. And I'm not trying to be tactical here, and I'm certainly not, you know, a Marine or a SWAT guy, but it's like having a big, long ass rifle isn't good for like co- close quarters combat. If you have a super weapon that can vaporize cars that you can just shoot from the hip, maybe you just grab a second one of those and go like, you know, John Moo on these things. Don't don't get that big, clunky ass rifle. Well, they want to make does. it look like aliens. Which yeah, means you have to give her something that looks like a flamethrower. Because that's what they did in Alien. So now that she's all tack vest, you know, SWAT teamed up, she's ready for her Jill Valentine Resident Evil moment. <laughs> she decides maybe she's going to go to the bridge after all, turns back around and starts climbing through all those Jeffrey tubes all over again. Hey, we haven't seen those much Jeffrey tubes since the end of season one. You know, but we friendship is magic. Man. Friendship yeah. is yeah, space. Friendship is magic. And only she doesn't have the advantage of uh, Air Jordans while she's climbing the ladder. She's wearing some what appear to be some pretty big heeled boots. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably because Kate Mulgrew's not super tall. So she's she they the her boots for her costume are pretty extensive. I'm sure the Rambo Janeway 
makes her way eventually to the mess hall to um, see what... Oh, I'm sorry. First things first, she gets finally gets up to the bridge. And this is where she actually fixes the communications because she sends out a stress signal. So she starts the broadcast on all frequencies. Yo, need some help. Like, something's happened. Someone help us. And that's when... Yes, please don't be Vidians. Yes, <laughs> please don't be... Be organ thieves. Uh, and this is where she gets stung by one of the the macro virus flies. I like this camera trick because they really make it seem like it's going to be a big monster. And of course, like you just said, it's it's like a mosquito. They do some interesting camera stuff. I mean, there's the aforementioned uh, gratuitous boob shots that they do throughout the episode. They shoot her low all episodes specifically to be able to do that. I mean, they also do that in Alien, so that's a callback to that. But it seems strategic in that regard. Do you really think that those are intentional boob shots? Because I didn't get that impression. I mean, it's center shot right in the middle of the screen every time. And the way that the sweat is on her tank top, they really seem to be trying to make it clear that. I felt it was accentuating the gun. It's a different angle, and I think it's a it's an action oriented shot. Maybe there is a component of trying to like make it booby time, but man, this um, is season three. We have spent several episodes in a in in a holodeck fuck palace. Now, last well, episode we had Tom and Harry with their sex toys, contemplating trying to convince the captain to have briefings there, so you know they can get their <laughs> handies while they're discussing ship systems. These luckily, we'll get more of that. Man, what, what's that place called? Tal Tal, Tal-, Tal- Tapax, Tampax, <laughs> the Paxow Resort, mm, the Cacao Resort. You were also leaving out the fact that there is uh, space jizz all over the bridge. Every inch of Voyager is dripping with slime, like, like it's just Ghostbusters all up in there. That is correct. There's a whole pool of it, which is where this little fly comes from. Uh, eventually. Uh, Janeway heads down to the to the mess hall because she decides that's the place to go because that's where she's seeing a lot of uh, uh, the life signs after she gets internal sensors working. She gets in there. She sees Harry Kim, Commander Chakotay. Uh, I saw a quick shot of your favorite extra and mine, Smoldering Catcher Guy. And uh, they're all unconscious. They all seem to be almost comatose. They're non-responsive. And this is where Janeway is finally ambushed by one of the big macroviruses. And nothing says bad 1997, 1996 uh, CG like these fucking things. They look awful. And they particularly look awful whenever they're in, supposed to be in a close proximity shot with one of the the actual actors. It Man, it nothing makes you appreciate how far they've come the last 23 years with with CG than watching something like this. It did not age well. Jesus Christ did it not. They should have just had a big rubber ball with tentacles hanging off of it. That's being controlled puppeteered off stage that she's fighting because these things are the poster child for terrible CGI. The only thing I can tell you that is on the same par as bad CGI as these are the made for tv movie stephen king's the langoliers i don't know if you're familiar with that <laughs> i am not there's like but that's oh man that's a deep imagine, sounding reference imagine uh if pac-man was made out of poop 
and flying around and chasing an airplane. And, and that's, uh, it's, it's, it's bad. It looks like garbage. It really makes it show its teeth. It dates the episode and it's probably the biggest complaint I have. I get that at the time they were trying to push boundaries, but they made a lot of budget cuts on the rest of the episode so they could afford this expensive ass CGI. I can't decide if this is worse than the, uh, the, the, the sand lizards that were eating bull haircut dudes. And of course, Hogan RIP much love. (laughs) Um, I think, I think the, the, the dramatic final battle of Janeway versus one of these things is definitely worse. Like this first one is quick enough and isn't, I think bad enough. One of the budget cuts I think they make, I mean, since again, we're just ripping aliens off. Like the crew I felt should have been cocooned to the walls or like something nefarious being happened and not just a bunch of dudes slumped over in chairs with slime and sweat on their faces. Like, this is this is shitty bargain UPN alien. So it's all the things that you're talking about would be from alien, right? Like yeah. having them cocooned. That's something they would do if this weren't shitty low budget UPN alien which means they're just laying on the ground with a little like fucking dab of makeup on their neck and a a shitty CGI fly comes out. So again, she's got this big ass rifle. uh, Like I was complaining about earlier, you don't want a big long rifle for close quarters combat because of course the fly just knocks it out of her hand. Uh, She gets thrown to the ground and has like an old lady spill and like, busts her hip and explodes a rib or something. It, yeah, it's for the way people fall off of like third floor catwalks and seem to be just fine. Like this is a real severe injury she gets for falling to the ground. She destroys the alien and explodes in goo. Uh, this is where she finally gets to. To sick bay and is greeted by the doctor who has a phaser is stuck it on her chin like he was expecting this to be one of the aliens, of course, and is relieved to see that it's not. And this is when we very awkwardly essentially walk away from the episode to do uh, a flashback, extended act two flashback. Uh, the structure of this episode is not my other big mark against it. So they they have all this lead up and this mystery and the suspense up to this point. And now it's nothing but backstory until we get to the conclusion. Like, that's it. We're done with doing stuff on the ship, except for the, like the last eight minutes where they're going to solve all the problems. I agree. It was an awkward transition, but I f- enjoy what we're going to start catching as far as the recap goes. I don't know a better way to have done it unless you were just going to scrap the whole suspense thing and tell the episode in a linear fashion. I think I was about to tell you exactly how you could have done it better, Peter. So here it is. How about instead of the doctor being there, you get into sick bay and the doctor's offline like everything else. Which would have made a lot of sense. And Janeway, in a desperate attempt to figure out what's going on, starts reading the doctor's logs and has to piece together from secondhand information what happened. Attempt to solve the problem as a consequence of using these, you know, this sort of breadcrumbs of information that she's left as a consequence of piecing together the logs and sensor readouts and everything else that she can access from sickbay. 
it increases the tension, increases the uncertainty, increases the suspense while still using essentially the doctor as the, as the way to tell the backstory without having to explicitly show you exactly what happened, which strips all that away. Mm. Like I said, I still enjoyed the scenes. Like, I think it would have been a better transition if she would have started reading his logs and then they would have faded away and transitioned to his voice relaying, like recording the logs and, and showing. Because like I said, I did really enjoy the visit, the visuals we got on the miners. I like the uh, doctor starting to get antsy to get into away team functions, them acknowledging the fact that a uh, hypoallergenic or not hypoallergenic, but like <clears throat> a sterile. Um, hologram would be the perfect thing to send into a quarantine situation. Uh, but yeah, so th- that's what ends up happening is she gets to their doctor's got a phaser in his face or face because obviously he's ready to kill if that's what uh, <laughs> if that's how it goes. If we learned We've anything learned from this. basics part yeah. two, yeah, he learned a thing or two from old Lon. Brings her in and says, uh, yeah, this is all kind of my fault. Uh, we were chilling out and we got a distress call from a mining colony of sweet looking like lizard scaly dudes. And uh, we flew over there and I got them to beam me down because I'm just a hologram and I could walk around. And everything would be cool. And while I was down there, I saw the same thing you saw. Oh, we, we skipped when we were talking. Uh, Chakotay on his neck had what uh, appeared to be a prolapsed butthole. <laughs> If you don't know what a prolapsed butthole is, do yourself a favor and jump on Google image search uh, and treat yourself. But it's like this uh, this nasty big red sore. And Janeway actually observes like flies coming out of the, the cyst. Like they're actively spawning and breeding like bot flies. Um, and the doctor... Uh, watches this happen while he's down in the mine relays it all back up to Chakotay and is like look these people are sick we can need to bring them up and Chakotay is like no fucking way there's real strict policies about quarantine procedures we're not bringing him up there and the doctor's like oh but the humanity and Chakotay's like no we're in a submarine in space we're not all going to die of uh you know malaria it's and the it's doctor some solid it's some solid like command authority from Chakotay like we used to bag on him for having all the authority of a fucking substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. This is him demonstrating that he could lead this ship, which uh, doesn't happen all that often, honestly. And I, I took note of the fact that he he uh, they, they wrote him better in this episode. This episode, again, since we're touching aliens with both hands. It was a very good allusion to Bishop in aliens and you know it's we humanize the ai in star trek so much data certainly the doctor even more but like it's still a machine and and think back to like the horror as you found out that the robot i'm sorry the android in alien was the bad guy who smuggled this um this xenomorph on the ship Mm -hmm. and how they play off of that in aliens when they try and make it look like Bishop could be a bad guy again. And ultimately he turns out to be like a super, a super bro. The doctor like arguing like, Hey, let's do this dangerous ass thing because I'm curious. And Chakotay being like, no. And you're like, wow, how easy would it really be just for the doctor? And we've talked about it before. Like he gets these little crazy moments where it's like, uh, he's not really all there because he's not there at all. Um, to to pull a, a 
in the name of science monstrous thing. But he comes to his senses. He says, I understand. <clears throat> We're going to get out of here. We'll fix this. And then some some weird science happens. The doctor transports back up to the ship and they check the biofilters. They find some unrecognized stuff. Chakotay's like, delete that shit. But there's some other stuff that makes it way through. And it starts infecting the ship, but it's not like gases transported up with him. It's like when you get transported from the way this makes it seem, it's not a a straight matter stream, right? Like the doctor and the other stuff that were transported up are held for a moment as code, as, as software. Right. Held in the buffer. Chakotay decides to delete a portion of it, and then there's more of it that while they're inspecting it and trying to figure out what to do slips out of the pattern buffer still as software and inserts itself in a neural gel pack up yeah, in the mess. Hall. I, I see where you're going with this. The technology continuum of the transporter to the pattern buffer, to whatever this biofilter is to infecting essentially one of the gel packs ultimately is what gets the, the ship got in this circumstance. And I see where you're going with this, that it's a little difficult. hazy. It's a little hazy, but I think that's because they are stuck behind a level of uncertainty as to how space magic really works, right? Like they can explain things to a limited degree, but ultimately this is science fiction and this is space magic. And, you know, they can spend an extra five to ten minutes of their screen time trying to explain this in a very specific techno babbly way, or they can just kind of say it happens and that's how it happened. And your audience can simply accept it because space magic. And this is where I'm okay. Giving Trek some, some rope, you know, like, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to hold them to, to defining every single one of these nuanced yeah. uh, techno babble situations to my satisfaction. I can just buy that the way this technology works, the fact that, this 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 virus replicates so quickly and it's is of an unknown alien origin that it beats the biofilter because of the delay and purging it and that's enough to to get the ship in trouble gotcha i think i'm there i would have preferred it if they just many times the sensors aren't good enough to to penetrate the enemy base or to see past the ion storms or like you know sensors never work right on voyager i like the idea that other fantastic federation technology just isn't good enough sometimes and it's a new crazy virus and the biofilter wasn't good enough and some of that air transported up around his little hollow emitter and you know it was just a straight moops equipment failure the 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 surface to transporter buffer to eps power conduit to neural gel pack to turning into snot in the gel pack to snot in the gel pack that ejaculates onto Bolana's hand. Skeet, skeet, skeet. Her... Okay. Right onto her. And that's what happens. So uh, this thing ends up in a gel pack. They think they got it all under control in quarantine. The doctor goes off to start synthesizing uh, his data. Up in the mess hall, you got Tom, the ship's pilot, who is instead of piloting, he is flipping pancakes. Everybody's pissed <laughs> off. Trying to make pot hook. roast. He's trying to make pot, uh, pot roast, roast. Peter. The hobo trash can fires on the fritz yet again, so he gets Balan up there to fix it. 
she pops uh, the wall panel off and finds out that, yeah, one of these gel packs, which is basically a Ziploc bag full of jello, uh, has some pus in it. End result here is that the virus replicates so quickly that although the doctor creates an antidote, uh, it's too late and that the virus has gone from little fly larval stage to bad CG monster stage beats the technology on the ship that's isolating it and uh, infects the crew. And it's been essentially gathering the crew members to like have all of its, its victims in one place. Cause that's what the doctor theorizes. It's has a, as a drive to do that as part of its, its uh, viral background, which was kind of hand wavy, but fine, fine. I understand. They just want to explain why there's not bodies everywhere. And uh, at least they, they, try to do that for a second yeah yeah good enough i'm buying it i'm buying it and uh you know the the option they're left with is to use the environmental controls to uh essentially gas the ship with the antidote and the doctor and uh, janeway resolve to do that because doctors got the mobile middle emitter still so they they take enough anecdote that if one of them makes it to environmental controls they can make it happen and here's a stunner moment of this episode for me when she says, how are we going to fix the problem of all these foreign species? I'm putting my money on it to be something with the warp field, which has been the answer for every <laughs> other problem. Literally, literally, the last time the ship got infected with cheese, they're like, well, let's just bake it out. It's an oldie, but a goodie. So they're like, we're going to put it in the air supply. I was like, oh, man. I wanted another uh, a warp field solution, but I guess with Balana out of commission, that that option wasn't on the table. The crawling through the Jeffrey's tubes continues. Uh, ultimately, Janeway does make it to the environmental control station, and the Doctor gets run into the shuttlecraft by all of these uh, angry macroviruses that want to suck his his hollow juice. Um, and we establish that they're drawn to infrared radiation. So the the uh, the holographic matrix, because it gives off heat, is something that they're attracted to, even though obviously he is not personally affected. Janeway makes it uh, unperturbed, uh, aside from doing a quick uh, couple bug splatters. Starts to get things plugged in, but that's when the tac-tac show up, and they start shooting at the ship. And that's when we get a little uh, cool window into the tac-tac not just being buffoons. They're also Protoss, and they're out to purge the universe of the Zerg. Yes! Yes, they even have, like, the blue plasma weapons. Yes, so she gets a... They're getting hammered, and that was kind of like, you know, I was saying earlier, when you got Voyagers to drift in space, all of the other problems that always run across you, anybody could F you up right now. These tac-tacs start dropping shots. She hails them using the shuttlecraft system, which we go back to uh, Future's End, all of the cool Federation tech on the ship, you also have on the shuttlecraft. If the ship's not working, use your shuttlecraft stuff, including the transporter, which they should have been doing off the bat to get to environmental controls, but whatever. And she's like, hey, TAC-TAC, what's up? And they're like, hey, look, we're real sorry. Uh, we found out that that mining colony you guys were trying to save was infected by this terrible scourge parasite that we can only resolve by nuking it from orbit it's very regrettable also we see you have it so you're going to be purified to uh yeah all those sorry. all those guys you just saw in the flashback dead 
Yeah. <laughs> we, Do you like we those costumes? Them. Too bad. They're in the trash. We have murdered them. And now we are murdering you. And Janeway says, please don't murder us. We have a cure. Just let me, you know, cure my ship real quick and I'll even give it to you. And they're like, huh, well, tell you what, you have an hour. If you, if you cure your ship and you give us the antidote, we won't murder you. Why like, only okay, an hour? Like they're enclosed in space in, in their ship. Like you give them like six hours. Like what, why, why the hands Gruber one hour here? But while he's talking to her, the strenuous, I don't know, body contortions that this guy's doing that seemed funny and alien before now seem very unsettling and really drive home how the alien mind thinks and just how dangerous of a situation um, this is for Janeway. I, I thought it was a cool paradigm shift on these tack tack guys. They went from jokes to like, oh, fuck. So the attack by the tack tack has knocked out the environmental controls. Janeway has to quickly come up with a new plan. Her plan is, well, I only got a few things that have independent power sources. This is a callback. We know that that the holodeck runs on different power. Yep. Um, she mentions the holodeck and then it occurs to her, well, I can create a bunch of of decoys in a holodeck. What, sh- what program should I use to attract all the macroviruses? And then they cut to the holodeck running the sex party program. It is filled with all of the all of the federation uh sex, sex toys, toys. Yeah. uh looking sharp looking like they might be practicing with each other i don't know how semi-sentient sex toys work in the 24th century you, you could come up with your own head cannon so uh the macrovices take the bait janeway rolls up with what she calls a a virus bomb uh a a antigen bomb to essentially blow up the holodeck but also blow up all the macro viruses. And this is when she has her dramatic confrontation with one of the CG monsters. That is God fucking awful. Uh, it jumps her and, and they finally have her user Chekhov's gun slash Chekhov's knife in the fight. Starfleet issue. Bowie Combat knife. knife. Like they show, they, they, sh- <clears throat> they have prominently shown it on her from the beginning. They got to have her stab one of these things. Right. Yeah. And so she stabs the bad CG monster. It's, terribly choreographed i'm sure they thought it would look so cool <laughs> it maybe it did in standard definition in 1996 but i can't put myself in that mindset dude it looks more real when you're playing pokemon go and you've got like the you know the augmented reality camera on and it looks like squirtle is standing on your desk it, that looks way better than than what we're getting here um her using the holodeck as a honeypot trap. Did you catch uh, um, the Friday the 13th? That's Jason in space. I think it might be Jason X. Jason X. Yes. So we jump out of aliens and we move to Jason X where there, I would say the best part of that movie is he's going ape shit on the spaceship and killing people. And they trick him into their version of the holodeck and they, holodeck up crystal lake mm-hmm. and jason starts going after hologram campus and i think at one point he's got someone in a sleeping bag and he's just slamming them into a tree with yeah, some yeah, pro wrestling a, i mean that's the uh callback to an earlier kill from a from one i think part oh, four was it? yeah look at me not knowing hey I, um, I know a lot about friday the 13th movies so i got a good laugh out of that but also okay well you've 
and here's where the thing feels rushed. Like you're saying before this third act, like we got to wrap everything up. These little bot flies, they come out of people's wounds. They're like super small, like fruit flies. And then they start growing exponentially because these are viruses that just scale in size to become, you know, the size of like, I don't know what you beach balls, right? At that point, they might even get bigger. And the doctor's saying maybe there's dozens, hundreds, there could be even thousands. I don't know. They got to kill all these things. <clears throat> the The idea that she has somehow magically congregated all of them from every corner of the deck into the holodeck is silly, but she does it. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. And then just throw a bomb in because that's the f- fastest way to, to clean it up. Like, how cool, instead of it being the the beach party holodeck program if it was like i don't know a a horror slasher (laughs) all of these holodeck people are just getting attacked it's like oh yeah by the way holodecks can cut if it was the the beowulf program or uh something else and like these holograms just start ripping these um you know she turns the safeties off and just let the holodeck maul the hell out of this alien invasive force you're absolutely right that it's all very rushed they don't really explain how it is that every single one of these macroviruses, including the small ones, are suddenly there. They just don't have enough time to to do anything because they've spent so much time in the middle of the episode doing the flashback sequences. It was also cheap to kill them all off camera like that. Uh, absolutely. And, of course, the bomb works. It blows up the damn holodeck. <laughs> like, hope nobody wanted to go to the sex palace for a few weeks. They're going to have to rebuild that fucking thing. And uh, the uh, the day is saved. The tac tac don't blow up the ship. And Janeway standing, glistening, you know, covered in Federation uh, standard uh, glistening oil. Uh, let's attack tac know they can go F off with a quick, uh, pithy, uh, good health with her hands on her hips. And uh, they they do have a final coda scene where she's painting and awkwardly Chakotay comes in and is like, Hey, do you want to go skiing? And she's like, no, I, I worked out today. And then the leaves and she goes back to painting. It was the most, it's very strange. like reset everything to perfect, stupid send off. That, that was really the only bad part. I thought of the episode was her painting in her ready room. Like the whole ship just got wrecked. Nobody died or anything, but you almost just lost everything. And, whoosh with a with a whisk of the magic wand everybody's back to 100 percent. all the slime's gone and it's just business as normal huh what what disaster oh okay back to normal the episode has uh a lot that is weird and not great but i will take this 10 times out of 10 over the q and the gray like and interesting aliens in it. I like the tack tack. I like the whole gesture thing. I like the, the space hazard. It is another like Cthulhu esque space horror. Don't go into space. Don't do space travel. It's bad for you moment. I mean, solid on that. Uh, having kind of Janeway be the hero for the ship was, was neat. Like they, they didn't have done something like that before. Um, you know, the, some of the ideas here weren't bad. And for that alone, it gets a pass for me. I really liked it. Um, clearly did you really I, like it or did you really like it because it just didn't kick you in the balls? I really liked it. I thought it was a good departure from normal Trek. Uh, it was a good opportunity for Janeway, who 
is always the person who is ready to sacrifice herself or blow the ship up, you know, as these hollow gestures like, oh, look at me. I got skin in the game. But it's like all you're doing is flipping a switch and, and sacrificing yourself. This where she really, <clears throat> for the first time, had to go out, get her hands dirty and claw the ship back uh, off of the brink of danger, I thought was a good moment for her to really prove that she is the captain and she is mommy and she is going to save the day. Uh, I really liked their treatment of Neelix. I liked what the doctor had to do. The CG was crap, but maybe for the time it was passable. I think they should have went with puppets, but whatever. It was a good departure. I always like disaster episodes where, you know, lights are flickering and there's that horror element. Um, and I think that they did a very good job of making it all seem plausible within the realm of Federation technology. Like nobody does anything blatantly stupid. I know it's a ramrod episode to a certain degree because Janeway makes some silly calls during her adventuring order. But like the way the virus got on the ship through Chakotay and the doctor's actions, like they still go by the book and they try their best and Again, sometimes Starfleet's best just isn't good enough and shit happens regardless. It wasn't a magically, oops, you know, we just got this dropped in our lap. Like, there's an order of events and it worked for me. Um, and yeah, good good aliens. Uh, and it was a good Bran Brano episode. I, I liked it. Well, what do we got next time, man? Next time we're going with uh, season three, episode 13. I see Neelix and I see another Talaxian. I want to say it looks familiar. Um, I think he might have been the guy from uh, when Neelix was calling on their help back during basics. Fair trade. Voyager heads into a section of space that Neelix has no knowledge of. So he tries to obtain a map of it from a less than reputable friend. This sounds like a super solid plot idea. I definitely agree that uh, given what we've been talking about with Neelix... At the beginning of this episode in particular, this one, uh, they did a good job to build into this one, I think, a little bit. So uh, I remember it well. So how do they not have a map of this place, given that Tom went warp 10 and they have a uh, trajectory on the entire. Shh, shh, <laughs> then we would have to talk about the space babies. This I'm ready to talk about that. We abandoned. Hey, you know what? They're family. And, uh, <laughs> you don't. You don't leave family cold and alone and then lie to Q and say that you won't have children with people you don't love and then abandon it. <laughs> Clearly that means that Kathy loves Tom. There it is. You know what? There you go. Empirical proof, Joe. And, and speaking of empirical proof, it's empirically proven that sharing V'ger please with your friends and family uh, increases joy. You know, like oh, absolutely. And Marie Kondo would say that this, this, this brings joy and therefore it should not be thrown in the garbage. So uh, what we're saying is that you should share V'ger please on social media, uh, wherever you choose to do so, however you choose to do so. We're always happy to, to bring new listeners into the fold. Again, Peter and I have outwitted our middle age and therefore now know how to add people to our Facebook uh, <laughs> trauma support group. So if you want to talk about V'ger please and, you know, we respect your privacy, so we do it in a closed group. Uh, but all you got to do is ask to join and we'll be happy to have you part of it. And, I want to uh, give a shout out to Hey Mikey, who we've gotten a pretty strong uptick in listeners from. So uh, again, uh, on top of uh, some badass custom 
Star Trek action figures. He's uh, done us a solid by spreading us around to his base. Everybody's come here from the Hey Mikey camp. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Oh, my God. His uh, custom Lon Suter action figure complete with action pipe. It's my wallpaper. Beautiful. I turned that picture into my wallpaper. Absolutely gorgeous. Fantastic. 120%. 10 out of 10. Um, but that's the quality of the Vija Please listener. That's the bar you have to set if you want to be uh, part of this community. And, and gosh, you darn it. We'd be happy to have more. And you can also email us at VijaPlease at gmail.com or tweet us at VijaPlease. Uh, if if uh, I, can, I can somehow manage to overcome my crippling age, I promise to reply. <laughs> On that note, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.